You know, God wants to do something extraordinary through your life. If you believe that, just say amen. amen. I, want you, I want to invite you to open up the Bible to Matthew chapter 4. And I want to read verse 18 through 20. And uh, this passage of scripture, you will be able to quote uh, by the end of this series. Because this series is not going to be finished until March. So, uh, if you're okay with that, just say amen. amen. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you. Let's say that part together, please. And I will make you fishers of men. But hold on, wait, weren't they already fishermen? He says, hey, fishermen, I'm going to make you fishermen. It, it, it would seem a little redundant. It would seem a little silly. But when you look at the bridge that Jesus gives us with his words, I will make you. We see that there is not just a transportation, but a transformation in the life of these disciples. That they go from regular, average, low educated, no prophetic pedigree personalities to being transformed so that they might become supernatural fishers of men that would be active participants in God's plan for the redemption of all humanity. And if you are saved, if you are a Christian, Jesus Christ himself is walking your shoreline today. He's walking your shoreline right now. And he is saying, I want to make you. I want to transform you into a supernatural participant in God's plan to redeem all of humanity. And our work is not done until the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. And so it's important. we got to shift our mentality. It's good to rest, but we don't live in peacetime. Internally, we live in the reality that is peacetime. We have the Holy Spirit. We have our soul anchored in a greater kingdom. But we walk this earth. And so we must embrace a mindset of wartime. Because there are still hungry people. There are still impoverished people. There are still trafficked people. There are still sold people. There are still unsaved people. There are still people who are crying out to a God they're not sure if they believe in for somebody to come deliver them. In the same way that the cries of Israel reached God and he commissioned Moses, the cry of the poor, the cry of the lost, the cry of victims, they are looking up towards heaven, saying, God, if you're real, and that commissioning is, is reaching us in Nashville here at Legacy. And we're hearing it and we're saying, okay, God, uh, I, I want to be a fisherman, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not really that great. I don't really have, a, I don't have an education. I don't have that spiritual dad or spiritual mom. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't, but then there's Jesus. He says, I will make you. I will make you. Don't worry. From day one, Jesus didn't leave us with any question marks. He is passionate about making you into who you need to become to execute all that he's called you to do. And this is where I want to start our birthday today. And I know I don't have a lot of time, but I'll do my best to dive in and we'll see what happens. Here's what I know. The fishermen had no idea where they were going. 
but they had a real good idea of what they would leave behind. The fishermen were uncertain about the destination, but they were very certain about the origin. They knew where they would depart, but it was a mystery as to where they would arrive. Following God is a little like boarding an airplane not knowing the destination. Now, I know we would like to have a really nice, predictable, you know, set of expectations. But when you choose to be a Christian, you forsake your right to live life in that way. Because it's impossible to follow Jesus from a distance. He's just too mobile. He's too agile. They said, we're going to make you king. He slips away. Right? We're going to stone you. He slips away. Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Nope, I need to go to another village to preach the gospel. He slips away. You cannot follow Jesus from a distance. It's impossible. You know, you guys, I mentioned this to you, I think, once before, but there was a Hebraic statement, it's an ancient statement, that whenever a disciple would begin to follow a rabbi, he would say, may the dust of your feet be upon me, rabbi. That, that, That when we commit ourselves to our rabbi, to the teacher with the capital T, that his dust, that the feet, that his dust from his feet would be on our face because we would be following him so closely. And I can guarantee you will not be able to predict the destination. Because Jesus is Lord is a challenge to the way, to the world the way it is. That's, that's what it is. To be a Christian is to live in opposition to principalities and powers. We, we can't dumb it down. We can't docile it up. Like to be a Christian is to follow a radical revolutionary, a Jewish man named Jesus that, that stood in the face of everything that was routine and everything that was accepted and, and, and everyone that said, well, the world is just the way it is. But to be a Christian is to actually move in the opposite spirit and rebuke the lie that says the world is going to be as it is. Are you feeling good about your Christianity yet this morning? Because this is what you've been called to. You've been commissioned for a purpose. You've not been commissioned to warm the bench for 40 years and then go to heaven when you die. Like you have an active role to play. The disciples had no idea where they would end up, but they did know that they would be participating. That's why he said, hey, look, you're going to be a fisher of men. He used the occupation that they were familiar with to connect the occupation that they were now going to become a part of. Fishing is hard work. Discovery Channel says to be a crab fisherman is the most dangerous job in the world. But actually to be an apostle is the most dangerous job in the world. Paul said, man, I got beat up. I took all these lashes. I've been stoned to death multiple times. I've been jailed. I've been shipwrecked three times. I wouldn't even get on a boat with Paul. I'd be like, Paul's on the manifest? I'm good. Take the next one out. You know what I'm saying? Uh Uh-uh. Nah. I'm good, bro. Right? Because that's the nature of living life in the kingdom. 
Now, we've tried to make Christianity safe. It's an attempt of civil religion. But it's impossible. It's, it's, it's impossible. You cannot make Christianity safe. If you make it overly safe, you make it incomprehensible. Spiritually, historically, and biblically. It's impossible. You cannot do it. It's impossible. And so as these disciples began to follow Jesus, they began to embrace a lifestyle that, that for me, I want to call our community to embrace. Which is to pioneer with a pencil. Meaning everything is beta mode. Nothing is set in stone. Nothing is surefire. Nothing is certain. On a normal Vision Sunday, the appropriate thing is to give you a list of everything that we're going to accomplish in this next year. We're going to accomplish a lot. I just don't know what it is. Is it okay if I have a vulnerable moment? This, it's not fair if this gets to be a safe place for you and not for me. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But I know the knower. <laughs> I have an intimate fellowship with the knower. It's always been this way. The father of our faith, Abraham. God speaks to him. He says, hey, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your home country. And I want you to follow me to a place that I will show you. Abraham has no clue where he's going, but he did receive a GPS, a God positioning system. Preacher joke. The Apostle Paul, you know, in Hebrews 11, we hear about the greats of the faith. The Apostle Paul uh, talked about Abraham and he said, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. inheritance. How many of you guys know that we collectively as a family have an inheritance? There is something God has called us to do together in the city of Nashville. Amen. There is something that God has called us to do together in the city of Nashville. Yeah. If you think it's all about you, you're not as mature as you think you are. That, that's, that's truth. That's, what, that's the way that we feel when we're five, when we're six, when we're 18. But when you get a bit older, you start to recognize that this thing is a bit bigger than you. Right? And, and, and that's where God's taking us, to a place of inheritance. And I can promise you guys this, the inheritance is so glorious that it's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. Paul continues, he says, and Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. You know, sometimes to get your promised inheritance, you have to walk in an uncharted direction. To receive your promised inheritance, you have to walk in an uncharted direction. I don't know everything that we're going to get. I don't know everything that we're going to receive. I don't know every place that we're going to go. But I do know this, that Jesus is with us. That Jesus will never leave us. Jesus will never forsake us. That Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that Jesus is here in our midst. Yeah. 
We are not a house that will reject him. We are not a house that will sing about him like he's not in the room. We are not a house that when he shows up to destroy our plans, we excuse him from the party. Jesus, you just mess up all of our plans. Duh. That's what Jesus does. You cannot domesticate Jesus. You don't get to optimize Jesus. You don't get to tweak Jesus so that he can fit your belief system. You don't get to tweak him, optimize him so that he can fit your preferences. He tweaks you. He optimizes you. He messes with your dials. It's not the other way around. Sometimes we've made God so small that like we get to take out of the Bible what we want, push away what we want. Well, I like that aspect of Jesus. I really like the Jesus that saves my soul, but I don't really like the social justice Jesus. But, or I maybe, I, I really like the social justice Jesus, but I don't like the holy Jesus, the one who cares about how I live on the inside. It's, it's, it's the one, it's one Jesus. It's just, it's God. It's Yahweh. It's Adonai. It's Jehovah. It's the one Jesus. It's, it's just him. We just got to take him as he is. We don't get to take chunks and portions. That's it. If we do that, we don't get, we don't get the fullness of the inheritance that God has for our life. A half commitment will equal a half inheritance. You can't halfway follow Jesus and expect a full promise. I mean, you can attempt it. You'd have to be spoiled to try, you know, but we want the real Jesus. That's the vision. <laughs> the real Jesus. How's that? Is that good? I mean, I'm like, until we're bringing people in here as first time visitors that we raised from the dead the week before, like, I'm going to keep pushing. Is that, is that spooky? I, I'm not trying to be scared. I'm just saying, like, it's in the Bible. I, I mean, for me, I feel God's pleasure to just want to keep it simple. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel that. And um, I, don't know, I don't know where we're going, but, but here's what I know. That God is keen on us growing. And I'm not talking about as an organization. I, I, I told some of our staff at the beginning of the year, I, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but I was like, you know, I don't, I don't even care if our church grows by one person this year. That's, that's not, you know, that's not be, I'm not trying to be extreme or intense. I, I just said, I just want Jesus, you know, like, I don't want to make a bunch of plans in hopes that more people will come. Like, you know, if God, if, if God sends people, then our responsibility is to steward people. But it's not our responsibility to whine and cry about, you know, more people showing up so that our ego can be stroked as leaders, but that we would serve enough to invite the city to a meal that's authentic where people don't feel like they're projects, where they know that they are beloved treasures whom Jesus cares enough for to die for and that they would be set on fire to accomplish their God-given purpose no matter the cost. I mean, that's what we're looking to do here. I, I prayed, I prayed, last week I prayed, I was like, God, dude, is this a message? It's like an eat my flesh, drink my blood thing. Like, are you going to like grow our church so much that it diminishes by 200? 
You know, you know what I'm saying? Because like, and, and I felt like the Lord was like, is that, are you willing? Come on. I said, yeah, God, I'm willing. Yeah. You know, Jesus only had 12. One was a demon and they still changed the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not asking you to go to the church you feel comfortable in. I'm asking you to go to the church you feel called to. And I want you to know that this church is a church that is not going to let you stay the same. Here's why. Because Jesus is passionate about you being transformed. He's, I will make you. He said it right in his, his opening address. If you didn't want to be made into something different, you don't want to follow Jesus. Jesus will come after any bit of self-protection that you use to keep distance between you and him. Whatever it is, he will faithfully address it. You may leave one church and go to another. That pastor will preach a sermon series on the exact reason you left the other church. I mean, Jesus, it's not about the churches. I'm telling you, it's, it's what happens. And the reason for that is because God is so keen on you being transformed. He's so passionate about making you beautiful. He's so overwhelmingly passionate about taking your broken places, healing them up, and setting you on fire. That's just what he does. That, that's Jesus' nature. That's what he does. And, 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 and here we are. We're two. We're two today. We're two. We're, 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 as a whole, we're not that mature yet. I mean, you, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not like, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, what is that called? What is that? Take a jab. Yeah, I'm not trying to jab. I'm not, I'm not trying to demean. I'm not trying to demean our church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, look, let's be self-aware. Let's, let's be self-aware. We're a two-year-old church. We're, we're not a 22-year-old church yet. We're not a 42-year-old church yet. And toddlers need a lot of help. They do. They don't. They can't eat by themselves. They can't. You know. They need you to. They need you to prepare the meals, right? I mean. And and what I'm saying here is that individually, you may have been in church for 84 years. You may be the most mature Christian in the room. And if that's the case, I am so happy about that. We are so happy to have you. But you are a part of a church that is two years old. And because of its youth, it requires all of us to be actively participating if we are going to receive all of our inheritance as a community. That's, that's just, that's, that is the cost. That, that is the cost. This church in this season, honestly, is for people who are radical enough to take Jesus at his word and say, I will be a revolutionary for my generation. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care where you send me, but I know you will be with me. And I will go. I will do it. I will go. And, and that is what you're being invited into on our second birthday. Not a mediocre, not a bored, not an autopilot, not a haphazard. Well, I guess it's all right being a Christian. Like if the joy levels are low, the obedience is slow. Yeah. 
If the joy levels are low, the obedience is slow. Supreme joy is found in quick obedience. Come on. Come on. Just realized what time it was. So I want to show you guys a little graph here, and I'm going to show it to you intentionally because our mission, our mission is to grow the family of God. Everybody say that with me. To grow the family of God. You know, we labored over that message for more than six months. And the reason for that is because it is so precious to God what we do together that it's deserving of that. And, and the reason why we came up with this mission, this is our why, is because of this statement that Jesus makes. That he's passionate about making you. Right? He's passionate about making you. What is he making you into? What is he making you into? That's a, I'm, I'm like, no, like, search your heart real quick. What is he making you into? Here's what I can guarantee that he's most passionate about making you into. What he says is the greatest commandment of all, which is you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. God is really passionate about transforming you into that person. Because that person is the disciple that hears the words of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all of the commandments that I have given you. Every disciple is called to go. Every disciple is called to make disciples. Every disciple is called to baptize them. And every disciple is called to teach the commandments of Jesus. So when we say to grow the family of God, that's our bullseye. But you can't just have a mission. You can't just have a dream. You have to have a strategy. And that's what we feel like God's given us here as we celebrate our second birthday with this. So this comes from um, C3 College in Australia. I've tweaked it just a little bit to fit what I feel is a better language for our family. But essentially... There are eight stages of personal transformation in the discipleship journey. They move from the outside in. We all start at level one. We all start in the world. We then make our way into the kingdom of God. Then we're led into the church. Then comes servanthood. Then ministry. Then leadership. Then government. And then there's visionary leadership. And you can see uh, the numbers there that coincide with each of them. You'll be reminded of different stories in the Bible. As people grew close to Christ, they progressed in personal stages of discipleship and transformation. And so we're utilizing this as a means of strategy to grow you. You may not be called to governmental leadership in the church. Maybe you're called to government leadership in entertainment industry. Maybe you're called to governmental leadership in business. Maybe you're called to governmental leadership in the political sphere. Maybe you're called to visionary leadership in the church. Maybe you're called to plant a church. Maybe you're called, maybe you're called to trailblaze as an entrepreneur. Maybe you're, whatever it is, the church, the local church, is what God has given us to help his disciples grow. There is no greater better incubator of personal destiny on the planet like the local church. Amen. Amen. 
There is no organization. There is no consultant. There is no e-course. There is no blog or Twitter feed that can grow you like the local church. There is no podcast. There is no YouTube video. There is no university that can grow you like the local church. The primary reason for that is because Jesus is the head of the church. Not because we've got it all figured out. And so the reason I show you guys these today is because you may be individually in one place or the other. I don't know where you are. I'm giving you this, hoping that you can identify where you are. And then begin to understand how you relate to the level above or the level below. And then you begin to pray into how to level up if you feel called to. And if you are to move inward in maturity, you will have to pass through a gate at every level. The first level is from world to kingdom. Right? And that's what we see uh, Peter doing and Andrew doing when they get out of the boat and they begin to follow Jesus. Here's why. Because they pass through the revelation gate. That's the first gate. Remember when Jesus says, Whom do you say that I am? And Peter said, Well, you are the Christ. Unless you are able to confess Jesus as the Christ, you have not yet moved from world to kingdom. The revelation gate. That's the very first gate where we move from world to kingdom. And then from kingdom, we move to family. God puts the lonely in family. None of us are called to run alone. We're all called to run in community. This is why the church is here. To pull the body together so that we could all uniquely function. So that the whole could function well. And to go from kingdom to church, there's another gate. That gate is called the commitment gate. You don't find family without commitment. You cannot half-heartedly commit and expect a full heart in family. If this is your family, we want to invite you today to step through that gate of commitment and say, man, I'm going all in. I'm all in. I am, I am going in. And I'm not just building an organization. I'm not building a brand. I'm not building a business. I'm building a family. I'm building a supernatural living organism called the church that was birthed by Jesus so that we could share what he accomplished on the cross with people who do not know they're saved yet. Commitment. It requires commitment. And then here's the third level. Because I think collectively, I'm not addressing you as an individual. I'm saying as a whole, as a whole, as a whole. For our entire church, this is where I think that we are. Because the third level goes from church to servanthood. And here's the gate as you walk from church into servanthood. It's humility. It's humility. You know, we've always been a church that's attracted big people. From the beginning, it's always been the case. Like a ton of missionaries, a ton of you guys graduated from BSSM or other schools of ministry. Some of you guys in here have actually been in vocational ministry before for well over a decade. Like you were paid to be a pastor. You preached and now you're listening to preaching every single Sunday. Maybe you led worship. You were a worship pastor. We get tons of big people here. 
but where we need you now. Regardless of where you are individually, corporately, we're here. To take this thing from two to grow it to the next level, to do whatever it is God wants to do. And I don't care what that is, just so long as he's in it, it's going to require all of us serving. All of us. And we're able to do that so long as all of us are willing to embrace humility. And, I, and, and with the big people, with the big, I mean, all the big people who have come there, oh, you know, I, I used to be a preacher, so I'll serve when you let me preach. The reason why God sent you to a church that is two is so that you can learn something that you missed in the previous season. Because you're not going to be a good preacher unless you're humble. You've got to learn to serve before you do any ministry because servanthood is the foundation of all ministry. And if you don't serve and you can't serve, you're not going to be a great minister, not just in the church, but in culture, in business, on your job, in your family. Like that's what the church does. It's so well designed to grow you so that God can get all of the glory out of your life that he wants. And our job is to present an opportunity, a strategy, an invitation to say, here's where we feel like we are. If you want to jump in and grow with us, we're here for you. We're ready for that. You are welcome. Come on in. Let's make it happen. And if you're not, that's okay too. Just keep coming back. Because we're praying for you that this, this, this heart would grow. So if it's weak today and you're like, man, I got weak love for Jesus. I got weak love for the church. God can take your little lunch and feed 5,000. You don't have to have a huge love, okay? You don't have to. It's just give them what you got. Don't give them what you wish you had. Give them what you got. It may be small, but he can do a lot with the little. The ground that you are currently standing is holy ground. Not the ground that you'll stand on next month or next year in 10 years. You know, the ground that you're standing on today is holy. And it's time for us to take off our shoes and wash some dirty feet. If this was an old-fashioned Pentecostal church like the one I grew up in, we'd have a foot washing service tonight. Yeah. So I just want to invite you to stand. And I, I told, I told the, the, some of the team, I said, man, I really, I really like, um, I just like went full dad mode today. Yes. Right? Are you guys okay with it? Yeah. It's good because unless you release me too, it'll be tough for us to become family. Because we're not trying to build an orphanage. An orphanage is a place where no one's in charge. Or at least those who are, are there for their own self-interest. And I want to let you guys know that for Allison and I, we make the commitment that we're here for you. We're here for Jesus and we're here for you. If you believe that, just say amen. If you don't believe that, just say I'm working on it. So, Lord, we pray right now. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts. The question that we're asking is, is this message from you? Is this message from God? if it is what is my 
responsibility. How do I respond? The Lord told me today to activate the family. And on the basis of where we are in our mission, the mission he's given us, activation, in my opinion, looks like serving. So we're going to create space for you to sign up to serve today. There'll be a number on the screen. I want to ask you if you are interested, if you are feeling like God is moving on your heart right now and you want to step into this next season with legacy and run with us from two years old to however long God would have you follow him here. I just want to invite you to text JOIN to 615-454-TEAM. Sorry, don't text JOIN or text JOIN and also TEAM. But just text TEAM separately. Text TEAM to 615-454-9333 and we'll get you signed up. Pastor Maggie, who is our children's pastor, she and Rick, Maggie's role is going to be expanding in this season. And she's going to be taking on much of our experience responsibilities which is our Sunday services. And so if you would like to be a part of that team, if you're like, man, I don't, I don't really have a lot of time during the week. I just want to help. I just want to greet people. I just want to make coffee. I just want to, you know, make, it, make sure it's a friendly atmosphere. We'll get you plugged in wherever you are. Whatever level that you feel like you're at, we'll get you plugged in. And if you feel like, man, bless God, I am called to preach. I am called to be a revivalist. I'm going to be a church planter. Man, great. We would love to have you parking cars. Because if you won't park cars, you ain't going to be a good preacher. I can tell you right now. And I don't know how many of you guys got here late, but that parking lot is the third layer of hell. We need, we, like, we need some organization out there. And one of the best ways that you can serve the family is by helping people get in here on time. We would like to start on time, but as long as our parking lot is a mess, it's tough to make that happen. So maybe God's calling you to, to help with that. You know, when I go into somebody's house, the first impression I get determines so much about the dinner. Right? Is it in disarray? Or did they care enough to pick up so that they could be hospitable. I think about that when you come over my house, and I got two kids, so it's kind of the same as the parking lot outside. So maybe you'd like to help us cultivate an atmosphere where people encounter God. And when they pull up on the property, they say, God is here because they care enough to welcome me with excellence. So if you'd like to be a part of those teams, Pastor Maggie, we'll get back to you as soon as you text this number today. And we're going to close in prayer. God, we thank you for our second birthday. Thank you for a family, for a community that's willing to be called higher. We bless this family in Jesus' name. 